Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back into the Force to Punt podcast. I am Steven Serta. It's been a little while. Missed you guys. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're working on trying to get these to you more often as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. We're just a couple of weeks away. So we got a ton of stuff to cover uh, before we start breaking down divisions here in the near future. Uh, we'll have a better idea of some of your dynasty fantasy football drafts once we get post-NFL draft. So there's a lot of exciting news going on, but as I am each and every episode on the Forced to Punt podcast, I am joined by my guy Dusty Likens. Dusty, what's going on? What's good, Serta? You know, it's uh, middle of baseball season, but there's just always, always, always football news. And all it takes is one small move to open the floodgates, and yet here we are, ready to give the people some more insight on some kind of big news yesterday, and then we're, what, a week and a day from, from the NFL draft. So, I mean, it's all it's all coming up on your plate, whether you like it or not. And whether you know it or not, it's going to be July and then August, and the season's going to start all over again. We're two weeks two weeks in a day away from the NFL That's right, two draft weeks in a day. Starts on that. April 29th. So, My bad. Uh, don't get people too excited. We still got a couple of weeks to go before we get there. Um, I'm already there. <laughs> good, good. That's what, that's what we like to hear. Um, you know, I'm playing fantasy baseball this year to try to keep myself more active uh, I'm sorry. in baseball. Fantasy baseball is tough, man. I, I still got to so do, I still got to do, you know, daily fantasy flashes. And it's a lot easier for football. Uh, and, well, and I'm a lot more confident in my daily fantasy updates in football because I feel like I'm a lot better at projecting football. And I feel like baseball is just impossible to project. You're basically just just throwing pitches blind and hoping for the best each mm-hmm. night unless you've got, like, Jacob deGrom or something. Yeah, it's I did it two years in a row, and... I just told myself, unless I'm getting paid for this or I'm like fully focused in on doing this, I can't do baseball. It's so long. It's so tedious. You leave one guy in your lineup that misses a start or doesn't play. You have to look at OBS and OPS because just because you think a guy is good like Bryce Harper 
doesn't mean he necessarily does well in fantasy because he doesn't steal bases and he doesn't have on-base percentage like a guy like Ronald Acuna would have. So, yeah, fantasy baseball is... If you do fantasy baseball and you do fantasy football, props. Like, fantasy basketball is a good is a good niche to have between fantasy football seasons, but, man, fantasy baseball, good lord. Yeah, it's uh, it's a long trek, and, and you got to check your lineup every day. I basically, I'm dealing with all kinds of injuries right now. It's I, I can basically never fill out a starting lineup. And if you no. listen to my fantasy flashes every day, thank you. Hopefully they've worked out. I'm trying to do a lot of research to be confident in what I'm doing. But baseball this early in the season, I was talking to Vern about it, and even Vern was like, I don't even know what I'm doing this early in the season. You just set your lineup and hope for the best. So that's that's basically my philosophy so far in the uh, fantasy baseball season. Yeah, and if anybody understands baseball and can give any sort of advice, Vern is the guy to give it to you. And when his main advice is, yeah, close your eyes and hope for the best, uh, that tells you what fantasy baseball is for the first month and a half of the season. Yeah, but uh, let's get, before we get into some NFL draft stuff, let's... Uh, Go over a quick couple of uh, uh, news notes from the past couple of days. Uh, it was announced yesterday that the Arizona Cardinals are signing former Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner. Um, if you're a dynasty owner and you're banking on Chase Edmonds being a, a number one running back next season, I think you can probably just assume that that's over with. Um if you had Eno Benjamin for some reason, who was like a sixth or seventh round pick last year, who some people thought had some potential upside in that Arizona Cardinals offense, he did not get basically any playing time as a rookie, just wasn't active. He was dealing with an injury for a little while. Uh, you could probably go ahead and cut him. You know, with James Conner, you know that he can be in every down back, but you assume that he's going to get banged up at this point. And it's hard to assume otherwise that. James Conner can be a lead back, but he's likely not going to be active for all 17 regular season games. And I'm impressed that I remembered the 17. I almost said 16. I'm going to be doing that for years. Um, I don't really know what the Arizona Cardinals are doing. Uh, I, I think that Cliff Kingsbury is kind of feeling the pressure of, okay, we've got some pieces in place. We have to get going. We have to make the playoffs next year. And so bringing in a veteran running back, and I haven't seen the contract details on James Conner. I can't imagine it's a very expensive contract, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense uh, ever. If you really want a lead back that bad and you're the Arizona Cardinals, I don't understand why you wouldn't just go draft one of these running backs and hope that you get a guy who's a, who's a stud because we basically know what James Conner is at this point. And he's, he, he's a decent NFL running back, but he's not a superstar or anything like that. And it, and it totally hurts the value of Chase Edmonds. Like, I, I'm not saying cut Chase Edmonds. I'd still keep him on my dynasty roster because I think he's still going to have value. But he in no way projects is a three-down running back now. Yeah, I think the more interesting thing from this side of the perspective is obviously you're on the Arizona side, which is where we'll start. But to me, it's a lot more interesting from the Pittsburgh's point of view with with no James Conner, but Conner going to Arizona is kind of, it, it feels like one of those kind of like end of the career, last ditch efforts. What can he do? But what it seems like it's going to happen is that he's just going to clog a backfield that doesn't need him necessarily to be there. 
Now, I get it. They got rid of Kenyon Drake. He's now with the Raiders. Chase Edmonds kind of looked like that guy that was going to be the every down back for Arizona towards the middle of the year last year as he was, you know, kind of leading the the edge as Kenyon Drake was a lot of third down action, getting a lot more uh, goal line touches as for one who can be honest with everybody. I actually handcuffed both those running backs in my lineup during a playoff run because they both put up decent numbers in that backfield. Now, what James Conner can assure you to have is that it sounds like they're going to use him on first and second down. They're going to try to run the ball a little bit more in Arizona to give Kyler Murray a little bit more stability as that quarterback that can be, you know, all type of quarterback can run, can throw, can sit back in the pocket, can play action, whatever you want to have Kyler Murray do. James Conner doesn't really do it for me in Arizona. Like that's not a running back that I'm probably going to roster no matter where I pick in the draft, whether it's he's floating around in the third or fourth round and the running backs are kind of bleak at that point. I'm like, oh, you know what? James Conner, former thousand yard guy, can catch the ball in the backfield. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm more intrigued from the Pittsburgh side of it because how they utilize running backs, especially when they draft them or they're like a first-year running back. Pittsburgh always seems to make the guy bloom kind of like a spring flower. <laughs> uh, that, that wasn't what I, where I was expecting you to go there. But <laughs> well, they do, and we're in the spring season, and tulips are popping up everywhere. And if you think about it with Pittsburgh, they always seem to find a guy. Like They've always had a running back that fits that system, that makes that team somehow like a challengeable team to play like James Conner, Le'Veon Bell. They even did it with uh, Damian Williams a couple years ago when Le'Veon Bell was suspended for four games. Like he was a top three running back in their system. Big Ben can't throw the ball. He's not going anywhere. Their receivers are really, really good. So they're obviously still going to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. But it seems like every time they get a new running back in that system, that running back, is super worth it to have rostered on your team. I don't know who it's going to be yet. I don't know if they're going to go draft one. There's a lot of talent in this draft. But whoever gets picked up by Pittsburgh as their running back, I'm dead serious. Keep an eye on them. They're going to be worth rostering. Yeah, well, and I, I think that the Steelers are probably going to draft a running back. I, I think sure. it is probably the best way to pro- project that out for Pittsburgh, but as far as the Cardinals go, it's just, you know, they they looked better last year. They were a much more competitive team, and Kyler Murray still has a ways to go as a passer. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. look at him as a, an elite NFL passer, but he's going to be able to make plays with his legs, and they are an improving team, but I just don't think they've done enough on offense to take, like, this huge leap forward, you know? They, they've got DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. who's obviously still a, a monster, but... They add A.J. Green, and you know I- I'm rooting for A.J. Green to show some sign of life and-, and hope that he has something left of the tank because I love A.J. Green as a player, and-, and I'm bummed that he's never had any postseason success in his career and-, and that he kind of just wasted his entire prime in Cincinnati with Andy Dalton as his quarterback, but A.J. Green was bad last year, and, and so I-, I don't know... What adding him and James Conner, I, I I don't know where that really takes you as an offense if you're Arizona. So so I I just don't think either of those things are significant like high impact moves for this team. Um, 
another move that's going to just ruin uh, fantasy rosters and dynasty rosters specifically. Uh, former Bengals running back Giovanni Bernard, uh, mostly a pass catching running back, did sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if there's one thing that we know we can always bank on when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's that Bruce Arians is full of shit and that he is a liar. And he just said like two weeks ago, oh, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to take a big step in this offense. He's going to he's going to have a breakout year. And Keyshawn Vaughn is a rookie running back last year that everybody was projecting preseason fantasy like this guy's going to steal time from Ronald Jones. I was on the Ronald Jones train personally because I liked Ronald Jones' talent. I thought with that offense that he could have a big impact. And Ronald Jones did have a big impact. He, he had that monster game against Carolina where he broke off like a 93-yard touchdown. And, and, but and early in the season, it was Ronald Jones. Like he, he wasn't the pass catcher because he's just terrible at it. So they were using Leonard Fournette that way. And then later on in the season, they were about to cut Leonard Fournette until Ronald Jones got hurt and had to miss time, and then playoff came, playoff Lenny happened. He was an absolute monster in the postseason and in the Super Bowl for them. They bring back Leonard Fournette. They still have Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones, and now they sign Giovanni Bernard. You can't bank on any Tampa Bay running back at, at this point. Um, you know, In redraft leagues, I'm not going anywhere near that backfield. If you've got any of these guys in Dynasty, I, I understand that you've got to kind of hang on to them and see what happens. You know, may, Maybe I, I'd be shocked if all of these guys make the, make the final roster. Um, but it does feel like that maybe that means Ronald Jones winds up being the odd guy out because Ronald Jones just doesn't have the versatility. Like he, He's a talented runner, uh, and he's a talented running back, but he cannot catch the football at all. It, it's just not something that he can do with his game. And so that really limits his upside unless he were to get cut and go sign with another team somewhere that's going to just use him as a, you know, between the tackles, like downhill running back, because that's where he excels. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I guess, is the guy. If you if you had to have one guy in this backfield, I guess it's Leonard Fournette. You can't go near Giovanni Bernard or Keyshawn Vaughn at, at, at all in any format, in my opinion, because I, I just don't see either of them having much value. And if they brought in Giovanni Bernard, it's because everything that Bruce Arians told you two weeks ago was was a total lie. And it's because they have no faith in Keyshawn Vaughn as a player, apparently. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought in Giovanni Bernard, who's like nine years older than him. Yeah, two things out of all that rant. I would say, one, I would pay a lot of money for you to be at a poker table with Bruce Arians because I feel like you would just pick him apart on every single move he did. <laughs> Yell at him. <laughs> yeah. You don't have aces, Bruce. Uh, but, like, the best part about that is I think it's correct. Like, for sure, Leonard Fournette is the feature back. Like, they brought him back. He was pretty damn good towards the end of the season. It kind of showed that maybe Tampa Bay was finessing um, – Leonard Fournette in that backfield because he did get progressively better as the season ended last year. And I mean, he was their guy. Like he started to kind of catch the ball in the backfield a little bit more. He was running the ball on third down even. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, though, is like the, that's your guy, Serta. Like that's the guy that just keeps getting pushed to the wayside that has Serta's stamp of approval on it. That like he's a guy that could be a franchise running back, just never gets the chance to get that opportunity. And Giovanni Bernard getting to the team 
it's kind of weird because even when he was in Cincinnati with Mixon, he still had productive numbers. Like he was still a decent guy to have roster because one, you never knew if Joe Mixon was going to be suspended or if he was going to be out of a game because of an injury. And Giovanni Bernard is a, is a damn good fill in back. Throw him in this mix in Tampa Bay where you've already got guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette and Rob Gronkowski. It, you add more volume to that running back situation. It does make you feel like, what the hell is Bruce Arians doing? Like he's just causing more problems than he needs. Like this is a team that won a Super Bowl last year with basically the same roster they have moving forward to the next year. And now they're adding more pieces to a, you know, to a, I don't know, to a machine that doesn't necessarily need these pieces. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't know where Bruce Arians' mind is. I don't know if the Super Bowl and the, and the fresh new ink of the tattoo is officially taken over his body, but it doesn't seem like Tampa Bay needed to make this move. They did possibly makes them better, but it also gives one person that was already in that backfield last year. That was a mess. Um, it makes it that more confusing, but I mean, I would like anybody else. I'm not, you know, just a homer of a home team, but I'm interested to see what Giovanni Bernard can do in that offense because that offense is electric. It can be fun to watch. And there's a lot of numbers to be put up in that offense. It just depends on which guy is getting the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's not, there's no touches like there was already no touches to go around. In that offense, because you've got Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin, yeah. uh, you've got Scotty Miller, who is going to have a role in this offense uh, with Antonio Brown likely not coming back, and then Gronk coming back. Like, there's just not touches, and you're not going to consistently take the ball out of Brady's hands. So, there, there, there's just not a significant amount of touches in this offense. I, I hate everything about it. I'm going to avoid that backfield. Uh, in any possible way that I can going into any fantasy draft or, or any dynasty league. And, and this is coming from a guy who's got Leonard Fournette in a dynasty league and a guy who's got Ronald Jones in a dynasty league. And I have basically no trade value for those guys whatsoever. So uh, barring somebody giving me a ton, maybe I can sell off Leonard Fournette on the back of uh, the playoff Lenny run, but I think I'm probably stuck with him. So uh, we haven't talked much NFL draft on this podcast uh, as of yet, and we are just two weeks away from the NFL draft. Uh, it's coming up really quick. So let, let, let's talk about some of the uh, top projected fantasy players, how they can kind of impact the rosters that we assume that they're going to go to. And we might as well start with the likely number one overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, uh, one of the most highly touted quarterback prospects uh, that we've had in a while, uh, re- really since Andrew Luck. I mean, he's be- basically since he came into Clemson as a uh, freshman starter, he's been projected as the number one overall pick uh, the the first year that he is eligible. Um, I like Jacksonville's offense. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach, uh, but he does, I, I, I will say right now in football, with the way the systems and things that Urban Meyer runs at the college level where, you know, people say that that stuff would never work in the NFL, the NFL is more suited for that stuff to work than ever right now. And Trevor Lawrence is a lot more athletic than people realize. He can run a lot more. So so he it's not like Urban Meyer is going to have to get rid of that element of his offense. I think that Trevor Lawrence is perfectly capable of doing that. But, yeah, you would like to see him kind of turn, do some more, 
you know, pocket passer type of things because I think that's where Trevor Lawrence can be really special. He's not going to, you know, be, be a, a huge producer with his legs, but he's certainly capable of doing that. Andrew Luck was always able to produce with his legs when he was healthy. Yeah, I mean, let's be real here with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a quarterback that comes into this league and is blinded by the lights or, you know, maybe put back a little bit because it's the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, the minute he stepped into football into a super competitive level at Clemson, has always kind of had that, you know, superstar aroma, right? Like you didn't, let's be real. I'm not going to say no one, but we'll say half of the football community probably didn't even know what Joe Burrow was capable of before his senior year at LSU because no one really had seen him play. And unless you are a complete football nerd guru type of guy like yourself, you, you didn't really know what Burrow had to offer. And then, you know, you think about it, always oh, a rookie quarterback going to the league. Look at the weapons he had on his team. You know, he had three guys that basically could have gone in the first round of the NFL draft in one year. They're all basically going to be first-round draft picks if you look at the two receivers and Clyde. But Trevor Lawrence is a guy that's going to get drafted by Jacksonville who's going to have enough trinkets on his, you know, offensive side where he's got some good weapons to throw to. And if there's one thing we know about Trevor Lawrence, Serta, you nailed it. He doesn't look like it. But he is extremely more athletic than people give him credit for. Like when you look at the billboard that is Trevor Lawrence, you're like, oh, here's this six six giant with a powerful arm. He's gonna be a drop back passer. And that's not exactly what he truly is. Like he can drop back and sling it with anybody, I think, in the league at such a young age. But he can also run. He can also be sneaky outside the tackles, or when the line does collapse, he can fit in between the guards and get you ten to fifteen yards. Now I'm not advocating that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to put up, you know, 50 yards of rushing on average a game, but he can do those things that like Mahomes can do where Mahomes is 100% a drop back passer who's going to throw the ball 25 to 30 times a game and try to hit that 300 mark every single game. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that can do that as well. Like he will sneakily give you points when it comes to running the ball and you better believe he's going to have a lot of opportunities to run the ball in for a touchdown. Now, here's the thing about Trevor Lawrence as well. Very well padded. He's got your boy in DJ Shark. He's got Robinson in the backfield as a running back who took off last year. And again, I'm like you. I don't know where Urban Meyer's NFL mindset is, but I know that Trevor Lawrence is only one year removed from college football. I know that Urban Meyer knows a little bit more about college football than most coaches in this football system of the NFL. And I think that he can adapt well with Trevor Lawrence and I am interested to see where that development goes and he is one of these guys that quarterback that I'm willing to take a chance on in the 12th 13th round where he could possibly be where he could be hovering around that area because there were guys last year that did draft Burrow and that was a smart draft until obviously the injury because Joe Burrow was doing pretty damn good and you know, there were also guys that were in that same range that were like the Cam Newtons that would float around in there that you're like, you know what, I'm going to spend all my draft capital on making sure I get it right at running back and receiver and somewhat at tight end, which is the hardest position, obviously, to get it right in. Whereas if you want to, you can take that gamble on a quarterback late, 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 late in the rounds 
And Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a guy that will be there when people start picking kickers and somebody takes that, you know, that flag on a defense. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that will be around in that area that I think will put up decent numbers. Will interceptions be there? Probably it's the NFL. But will the production be there that's a little bit better than a guy that is, I don't know, maybe the starter in Washington or maybe a guy that's a second-year guy or maybe you draft like a Trevor Lawrence-Ryan Fitzpatrick combo to where you just play best matchup. And if that's the case, you can be successful with guys like Trevor Lawrence because of the main things we started this conversation out with. I don't think the stage will be too big or bright. And I think that he is naturally talented with a lot of different options to produce at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has to be um, on your radar in redraft leagues. And he yeah. is a certainly a, a draftable quarterback. And, then, and I think that he should clearly be the, the number one quarterback off of uh, your, your dynasty draft. Uh, you know, well, barring we'll get to here in a second what the San Francisco 49ers do at number three. Um, you know how much I love that team. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, DJ Chark, you know I think DJ Chark is an absolute stud. They brought in Marvin Jones. I, I think Marvin Jones still has a little bit left in the tank, but you don't have to worry about Marvin Jones taking away significant time from, say, LaVisca Chenault, who, you know, we also love on this podcast. Uh LaVisca Chanel, my, my whole thing with him, I think he's a really talented player. I think he's uh, insanely athletic. Uh, he was really raw as a rookie, and we saw that in the way they kind of utilized him. Hopefully we see him in a much more expanded role this year. He's a really intriguing dynasty player. Um, so I'm really excited for his upside with Trevor Lawrence. But, yeah, I think those that those three wide receivers, that's a, that's a very nice set of uh, pass catchers. For your rookie quarterback. And then you add in James Robbins. And they did add Carlos Hyde. Um, I'm hoping that Carlos Hyde doesn't t- take anything away from James Robinson. Because it would be incredible if James Robinson is that clear-cut number one running back that we saw last year. Because there's just not many of those guys around anymore. And I have James Robinson in a dynasty league where I'm the defending champion. So mm, I, I, want, I want James Robinson to get a ton of work next season. Uh but yeah, I, I I think the Jags are a very intriguing young roster, and, and they've mm-hmm. got plenty of fantasy upside. But uh, moving to the likely number two overall pick, it seems like we can say that's pretty much locked in now. Uh, the New York Jets, in all likelihood, selecting BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Jets had a really good offseason. Like they, they made a lot of strong free agent moves. Uh, I would expect them to draft a running back. Uh, uh, They still don't have a running back on the roster that I think is their starting running back. Uh, But they did bring in Corey Davis in free agency. They also brought in Keelan Cole, who quietly had a a, a decent year for Jacksonville last year. Finally looked like he could be uh, a consistent playmaker, not necessarily a star or something like that, but a a reliable guy. And then you think about Jamison Crowder. And Denzel Mims, who is also a really intriguing second-year player. Denzel Mims was hurt for a good portion of last year, early on in the season. Then he came in and showed some glimpses of why he was such a highly touted wide receiver prospect going into last year's NFL draft. Um, I do also have Mims in a dynasty league. I think he's a really intriguing player. Um, Corey Davis, I don't project Corey Davis to be, you know, uh, he he was going into the contract year last year, had the best year of his career in Tennessee. I, I don't expect Corey Davis to all of a sudden be like a, 
a 1,400-yard wide receiver or something like that. But there's opportunity for him in New York, especially with a, a rookie quarterback. And, and the Jets actually have some some decent players along that offensive line. So I, I don't think the Jets, for the first time in a really long time, I don't think they're an awful situation for a young quarterback. Now, I do have my questions about Zach Wilson because people, he's got the big arm. He can make all the throws. He can, he can make all of the, uh, the, the wow plays. But people are kind of talking him up like, Oh, this guy's Mahomes. That's why he's skyrocketing up the board. And I was talking about this, you know, during the college football season last year where people are still saying it's Lawrence and Fields, one and two, without question. I was like, Zach Wilson's going to be the second quarterback off the board because as we start evaluating these players, everybody's going to become infatuated with that arm and think Patrick Mahomes. I I, I don't think that Zach Wilson is Patrick Mahomes, but there's a reason he's going to go number two. So this Jets offense in fantasy football – it's intriguing. There's some players there and players that, you know, most people in your fantasy league, they're going to be scared off because it's the Jets. So there's a ton of value along that Jets offense when you, when you talk about uh, your fantasy redraft leagues and, and even dynasty leagues. Like Denzel Mims is an intriguing enough player that didn't do much as a rookie. And if you're dealing with a dynasty league where, you know, whoever has him in your league, they're not as savvy as you are. I think Denzel Mims is an intriguing player that you might be able to trade for and and trade for at a very cheap price. Yeah. The jets are, the jets are interesting, right? Like they have a new guy in charge. uh, Since last year, general manager, they have, Picks they've traded, picks they've acquired. They've, I think, traded their first round pick every single year, gotten rid of their first round pick from previous years. Yes. Like, they have Darnold's gone, Jamal Adams is gone. It's just, to me, the Jets are a team that. So I have no affiliation in New York. I mean, I don't root for them, but they feel like a team that, that maybe some of these people that talk about the Jets being right there on the cusp of being somewhat talented and somewhat like a legit threat because last year they were laughable. I mean, I think at one point the Chiefs defensive line was dancing during a game in front of the Jets offensive line. Like that's how bad they were. And you see them starting to make more moves and make this team more of a, you know, gel it the way they want. And if they do go get this Wilson kid from BYU, which we've seen all the clips of, throwing 50-yard dimes, getting guys, you know, the ball right on the sideline, the corner of the end zone. It looks like the part's going to be fulfilled and and passing on fields, which means San Francisco has got a huge opportunity, which I know we're going to get to here in a little bit because that's, that's Steve's squad right there is the, is the Niners. But the thing about this Jets team is they're not stackable, but they're matchup playable because – they're going to play a lot of bad teams because of where they finished last year. They're not going to play the top teams in divisions. Now, their division in general is 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 tough. Miami, New England, Buffalo, that's, that's three possible playoff teams right there. And that's not where their matchups are going to be greater. That's not where their players are going to fit against, against other matchups scenarios. But we talk about Trevor Lawrence where everything seems to be ready to go, able to play, the talent's there. The quarterback, they look like they're going to draft. He's the kind of guy that I don't know what to expect. I get it. Like, we're now in the 
evolution of the NFL draft where Mahomes is the poster child. And if you can compare anything to Mahomes, teams will jump on it. Teams will think twice. Teams won't blink at it and then walk by. So when you put this Jets team together and you think of the new script, the new, not scripture, we're not getting biblical, but the new script that is the New York Jets, it seems like they're trying to turn things around. And yes, the additions they've made have tried to make this team more of a offensive power team than just being a team that is like, oh, it's the Jets. They're not going to win. They suck. It looks like what they're trying to do is make a winning team in that franchise. And it is something to keep of note and to keep an eye on certain acquisitions they've made because they could help you out. I mean, the, you know, the move they made at receiver this year kind of reminds me of like what Robbie Anderson could do in New York when they're the guy or they have one guy that is exceptionally a little bit better than everybody else. This can happen in New York because they're going to be playing their division two games a season. They're not going to be very competitive in those games because Buffalo, Miami, and New England are, I think, that much better than they are. But throughout the league, they can put up numbers, and the Jets players are a little bit of something to keep an eye on. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get to my San Francisco 49ers. Take um, it away. You know I love Kyle Shanahan. I I, I love the 49ers roster. Um, I think that with a franchise quarterback, San Francisco should be the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC next season. Uh, possibly even the Super Bowl favorites over the Chiefs if they get a legitimate franchise quarterback. This debate between Justin Fields and Mac Jones is absurd. Justin Fields is a much better player, and, and I know that you know we're making the argument that Mac Jones is you know traditionally the guys who have had more success in Kyle Shanahan's offense are Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, even Jimmy G, more more stationary quarterbacks because a lot of the throws, it's a quarterback-friendly offense. It's set up, it's quick throws, get guys in space. You have your super athletic wide receivers or you have George Kittle, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel who are impossible guys to tackle. That's specifically what they scout and what they bring in. And, and all three of those guys are highly touted fantasy weapons that I would be happy to have on any of my fantasy rosters. But Kyle Shanahan's running scheme could evolve even more with the player as athletic as Justin Fields. And I have to plenty of faith in Justin Fields as a passer. You know he can run too. Like he he I think he could open this offense up to all new levels. And so I have to believe that this is just you know, the 49ers and uh, John Lynch leaking things to kind of misdirect teams or whatever after they traded up. Uh, they're probably going to hang on to Jimmy G, barring somebody making a significant draft day offer for him as to, to go be their starter or something like that. I am going to be livid if they take back Jones. You're, you're talking about a Super Bowl team right now Tomorrow, if the NFL draft was tomorrow, Justin Fields is better. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that it, it's indisputable. And, and so if they take Mac Jones and they traded up all of this draft capital to go get Mac Jones, it's indefensible. I think when it comes to the Niners, it's a very soap opera type of team, isn't it? 
like Jimmy G is the guy that got him to the Super Bowl is how a lot of people perceive that. That's not very accurate because Jimmy G's not the reason they went to the Super Bowl. The reason they went to the Super Bowl is because they had a really good defense and George Kittle and their running scheme and the way that Kyle Shanahan, even though I feel like he took Rob Deerdeck's fashion and made it an NFL coach's fashion. The thing about the Niners taking Mac Jones, like you said, it is very indefensible because this is a team that could take a quarterback in fields who could be a franchise-changing quarterback. Like, there is a lot of, and maybe you could stop me if I'm getting too absurd here, but there's a lot of Kyler Murray in fields when I look at the two. Is that is that fair to say? I, I mean, they they can both run, and, and Justin Fields and is, is ridiculously fast. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Fields is is bigger. Um, right. I would honestly, I, I like and I like Kyler Murray. I, 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 I there's a lot of things I love about Kyler Murray. I, I just don't know if I believe in Kyler Murray ever being like a top five NFL passer. I think Justin Fields can can be that. Like I, I have much more faith in him as a passer than a lot of people do for some reason. And and I, I don't know why we have to do this every single year with different quarterback prospects. Well, well, we do it every year because guys like Chris Mortensen go out and give reports and say that, well, he's his throwing mechanisms aren't as great because he, he plays baseball. Well, he hasn't played baseball in four years. And you get people that go out there and, and give these sense of doubts to other people. It's like the kid from BYU throws a 50-yard dime at a pro day where no one's blitzing him, no one's in his face, and we see what Fields did at Ohio State during the playoff run, and it's like, what do you not get? Like, this kid showed you everything in a high-octane situation, what he can do at quarterback. And then when it gets to the draft, all of a sudden, what really matters is Throwing the ball 50 yards on a dime with no pressure in your face, it's like this is the guy to play because he looks like Mahomes. To me, you look at what Kyler Murray has done for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, they're not the same quarterback, but there are similarities. They're both very quick on their feet. Fields is electric. But the thing about these quarterbacks is they change the drive and they change the way these franchises play. Like DeAndre Hopkins is a stud receiver. He's the best receiver in all of football but he's better with a guy like Kyler Murray, if that makes sense. And guys like Kyler Murray raise people up with their athletic ability, just like Fields can do in San Fran. Like, are you kidding me, Serta? Like, I drafted Brandon Ayuk last year because I had a feeling in that system he could be that type of dude. And he was at the end of the year. Like, he was that receiver at the end of the year. He was everything that I had hoped for, and I think that he can take a step forward this year. And if he gets a guy like Fields as his quarterback, a second-year receiver with a new guy at quarterback, and then you throw in George Kittle in there, you throw in the way they can run the ball and scheme and disguise things in that backfield, plus you throw in the offensive kind of guru mentality that is Shanahan, man, if they could just go get Fields and not take Mac Jones, you're right. Man, this team can be very dangerous in the NFC. The NFC isn't very deep. Tampa Bay's good. New Orleans is rebuilding because they don't know what they're doing at quarterback because they won't give our guy Jameis a chance. But if you take this kid and put him on the and put him on the 49ers with the way that offense can be ran and the way that defense can scheme things now, even though they lost their defensive coordinator to the team that we just previously talked about, yes, 
this San Francisco team can be very, very good if Fields is at that quarterback position with the offensive weapons that he has around him with the guy calling the plays. Just don't, just don't overthink it. I, I mean, it's it's an easy pick. Uh, that we we shouldn't have to do this. And I hate having to have these arguments every single year ahead of the NFL draft. It, it's the easy pick. Don't 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 be stupid. You you have a Super Bowl caliber roster, one of the most talented rosters, top to bottom in the NFL. It's easy. Uh, before we get out of here, okay, let's get to two more players uh, before we wrap this thing up. Atlanta Falcons, a lot of people are projecting them to take Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. Of course, the Miami Dolphins traded back and then traded back up to the number six pick. Um, and they're expected to, and they 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 did that with the Eagles because we assume they're going to take either Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts if Kyle Pitts is still available uh, to to continue to build on that offense as they're, they're trying to build an, uh, an offense and a team that can genuinely compete in the AFC East, and I think that they have done a really good job of that this offseason. Uh, Kyle Pitts is insane. He he is an unbelievable talent. Uh, it, it's crazy to me that we're talking about a, a tight end at the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft, but that's because he's insane. Like, his athletic ability... He's a he we we talk we say Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver playing the tight end position like and Travis Kelsey's route running ability is, is insane for somebody of his size. Kyle Pitts is more athletic. Kyle Pitts is faster. Like Kyle Pitts is longer. Like like he is a wide receiver. He's like a seven foot Randy Moss basically. Yeah, when it comes to. I guess when it comes to Pitts, you know, the 662 whatever he is, 250, 240. Yeah, 24066, so he's basically LeBron James with the same athletic ability on the football field, except I guess he's not 270. The thing about Kyle Pitts is that people like you, Serta, every single year, and this is where I want to let you take over. I'm not going to be very long with Kyle Pitts cuz I think he's the truth. I think he's a guy that I would pick in the third round um but you and and guys that i've always listened to when it comes to fantasy football insight you are guys that always say first year tight ends never pan out is this the exception uh i mean in in dynasty leagues uh, i'm taking kyle pitts like top five um (laughs) but i I mean in redraft leagues like I, i i'm not taking him third round that's that's crazy um but I think he's a guy that I think he's going to go because people are going to be so infatuated with him, depending on where he lands. And, and Atlanta's a good spot. You know, they already have Calvin Ridley, Julio coming back, Matt Ryan still playing, and, and above average uh, NFL level. And, and Kyle Pitts, it's a good spot for him. And, and yeah, to NFL tight ends, it, it's tough, but he can just play wide receiver, basically. Like, yes, he can be a tight end and – you know, you can you can make him stay inside and block and whatever, but he's so athletic, you can split him out wide and he can run such such big time routes and, and he's so insane that he's a guy that you just gotta get him the football. And, and so he's just a playmaker. So yeah, I mean I'm not drafting him over, you know, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or anything. I think that's crazy. But I think he can absolutely produce as a rookie. You know, if you look back a couple of years ago, uh 
Austin Hooper's final year in Atlanta, he had, I think, mm-hmm. close to 800 yards and uh, like like six or seven touchdowns. Austin Hooper, prior to getting injured late in the season, was on pace to be like a top five fantasy tight end. So, so it's not like Atlanta hasn't had successful tight ends with Matt Ryan before. You know, Hayden Hurst, I think we can just say Hayden Hurst just isn't a very good player at this point. They traded for him because they thought that he could be something, but he just wasn't very effective last season. Kyle Pitts is an insane weapon, and I think you just have to find a way to get him involved as a player. Um, oh, as far as Jamar Chase goes, I, I, I don't think anybody thinks Atlanta's going to select Jamar Chase at number four. Uh, he's much more likely to go number five to the Bengals or number six to the Dolphins. I think the Bengals have to go offensive tackle, so I don't think they're going to take Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is a stud. I do worry about his fantasy impact if the Miami Dolphins, they added Will Fuller, they got Devontae Parker, then you add Jamar Chase, and they got Preston Williams coming back who, you know, Preston Williams, I'm glad I got rid of my dynasty stock in Preston Williams, uh, especially assuming that they're going to draft Jamar Chase now. Uh, But that group of wide receivers, it's go time for Tua. Like, you got to figure that, you got to be able to produce with that group of guys. And Jamar Chase is a really, really intriguing player, and he's a very, very talented wide receiver. Like, think back to that national championship LSU team, and you think about Justin Jefferson's insane rookie year in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson wasn't even the best wide receiver on his team that year. It was Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase is a scary situation. And just real quick to go back to the Kyle Pitts, because I thought the Chiefs should just like trade up to get him. That's how good he is, which it won't happen. It's just being ridiculous. His player comp in the NFL, Darren Waller. This is from NFL.com when it comes to like his overview on the year. Pitts may have the traits and the talent to create mismatches similar to those created by Calvin Johnson and Tyree Kill. He's a rare blend of size, athleticism, ball skills that reminisce of Megatron. His ability as a pass-catching tight end could force defenses and divisions to alter the way they construct their roster. Along with Clemson's quarterback Trevor Lawrence, Pitts has a chance to become the biggest game-changer in the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, Holy smokes. When we come to Jamar Chase... Yeah, um, that's a guy that you have to sell all your stock in because if Justin Jefferson did that last year as a rookie and he wasn't the best receiver on his college roster and you saw what he did in the NFL where he put up almost Randy Moss rookie numbers in Minnesota, yeah, Jamar Chase is a guy that if he goes where they think he can go to like Atlanta, holy smokes. Matt Ryan could put up MVP-type numbers again. That offense could be really, really good. Now that they have that old system of coaching out and they have a new franchise leader in that uh, Atlanta Falcons offense and defensive type of football scheme, yes, Jamar Chase, what a draft this year could be when it comes to the top five. Yeah, he's he he's a really, really intriguing player. Um, I, I do think Miami could wind up being a good spot for him. I don't I don't think it's like fantasy hell uh even though a lot of people have just already lost faith in Tua, and i don't think that's really fair it's um unfair. yeah kyle pitts is is a game changer so i think you know even as a rookie where you shy away from tight ends uh he's he's a rare rookie tight end like we don't talk about tight ends going top five ever and he's going to do that and a lot of people have him rated as the number one prospect 
in the draft. It's just that you take you take quarterbacks over tight ends, which is why Trevor Lawrence is going number one and not Kyle Pitts. He's just he's just that much of a monster. So uh, this was fun. We'll be back soon. Um, We're going to continue to try to get you guys updated on the NFL draft. Going to start breaking down divisions soon. We're so close to the draft. We can taste it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please download the radio.com app. Like and subscribe to the Force to Punt podcast. He's Dusty Likens. I'm Steven Serta. We'll talk to you soon. Be easy.